And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. It's Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We are back for our latest episode of 1% Better. And we are a little bit closer to the NFL season. I mean, for us, it's here, Zach. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> summer's over. Yeah. Uh, hey, we got we got one more day. We got one more day. I right, hope hope you're getting your last swings in out there on the course because uh, we're there. Um, so yeah, I mean this is this is kind of like not your problem, the listener, but like our lives kind of get topsy turvy when football gets here, just because you know it, we get back to a really structured lifestyle <laughs> where in the off season you kind of have a little more control, right? So. Now, um, you're basically handing over your faith to the team that you cover. And in our case, that's the Colts. So, but it's all good because I'm tired of talking about it, honestly. So, uh, players, they report on Tuesday. Uh, practice begins, I believe, on Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, this thing is going to get ratcheted up really, really quickly. We'll hear from Chris Ballard on Monday. We'll hear from uh, Coach Frank Reichen players on on Tuesday and, and Wednesday, the whistle's going to blow, and uh, these guys are going to get to it. So it's been a long time coming. Um, Zach, let's start with some thoughts, um, I, I think, from each of us on where do you think or what do you think, when you look at this team, it's largely the same as last year with some obviously you know, big changes, but but mostly the same. What do you think is the biggest question facing this team right now as they head into 2021? High hopes, high expectations, but what's the biggest question, do you think? Yeah, for me, this is easy. The whole season, um, the the biggest storyline to start next week and then, you know, really what's going to determine how far they go in the playoffs if they make it or or why they don't make the playoffs, it comes down to one guy. It's going to be Carson Wentz and whether Mm -hmm. he can acclimate himself in Frank Reich's offense around the talent that he has surrounding him. And we're talking a really good offensive line, a lot of talent at the wide receiver position if they stay healthy. One of the up-and-coming running backs in the league in in Jonathan Taylor and a pretty solid defense that took some strides last year that kind of climbed to the top 10, right? And maybe they can take another st- step this year. But for me, it's going to be number two. It's going to be Carson Wentz. Is it going to be, does this team get back to how they were playing at the end of 2018 when they had a really potent run game, a quarterback who could move around in the pocket and then take the deep shots that they like to take? Frank Reich wants to be aggressive, put his gap, put his foot on the gas. And they haven't been able to really do that the last two years. They didn't do it with Jacoby in 2019. And Rivers had such a different feel. And, and Rivers was all anticipation and accuracy, elite accuracy on the middle of the field. But they didn't have the big plays. They had two plays of 50 yards or more last year. That That's a number that bothers Frank. He wants more of that. And then from what we saw from Carson in May, and this isn't real football, so it's a, you know, it's just a taste, but 
every receiver we talked to said, look, this guy can throw it. Like his deep ball, his arm strength stood out to them. They haven't had that kind of arm back there since 2018. So for me, the guy I'm watching on day one next week is going to be Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I think total agreement there. Uh, just for the sake of variation, I'll say the other big question, and it's something you just kind of touched on a little bit, I think the other big question is, can this defense be elite? Because if it can, and I think it has the ingredients, or some of them, if it can be elite, that's a game changer. Because I think there were times last season where I thought there were some games where the offense was a little bit hit and miss, right? I mean, I think the offense was a little more up and down last year than the defense was. They were getting consistent performances, for the most part, from their defense. Pass rush wasn't good, never was, and and hasn't been for quite some time. But be that as it may, I thought the defense was something they could kind of set their watch to. You know, They weren't going to just fall apart for the most part. And now the question is, What's the next step and can they take it? Are they ready for that next step? Because if they are, then I think, you know, based upon whatever they get from their offense, now you might be cooking with some gas. And I think they have a chance to to maybe compete with with the elite teams in the league. But I, I think that defense is is the unit that we know more about and the unit that I think they'll get more consistency from. I like their talent on offense. I think people underrate their their pieces on offense. But that defense I think can be special. That's the that's the difference. And the question is can they get to quarterbacks? Because if they can't, then I don't think you can get to special. I don't think you can be elite. You can't be an elite defense and let quarterbacks you know, have a sandwich in the pocket. That's not going to happen. So they have to find a way. And we know the story. We 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 talked, you know, at nauseum about Quiddy Pay and and some of the other young guys uh, who are going to play a role in that. And and we'll just have to see. But if they can take the next step defensively, I like the Colts' chances uh, most Sundays. And and I think they're going to have a chance to win a lot of games. And that I think is going to be a big you know, variable and and where they go this season. So we'll see. Can they, can they do that? Can they do that next step without Danico Autry and without Justin Mm -hmm. Houston? Because I agree completely with your point that what do the elite defenses do? They don't just prevent teams from scoring. They get to the quarterback to create turnovers. The Colts have so many different dynamic pieces on offense, but you could argue that the most important piece to any defense right now in the league is going to have to be the ability to get to the quarterback. And without Autry and without Houston, it's going to be a lot tougher. That's going to be fascinating. Now, Buckner can get there. Grover Stewart can take up a lot of space. Let's not overlook those guys. Quiddy Pay is going to probably step in at right defensive end and start from day one. I like Toure if he's back, but we don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. But I think that's the, that's that's how you go from 10 to 5 or 10 to 2 or 10 to 3. Um, is getting after those quarterbacks. And look at the quarterbacks they're playing this year. They're going to see Lamar Jackson. They're going to see guys that can move around like you always do in this league in this day and age. So that's going to be tough. But, you know, I was writing a little bit this morning on things I'm looking forward to the most, and it's really seeing how that pass rush evolves. Maybe Quiddy Pay is ready to go from from day one, but there's a lot unproven in that department. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that in in terms of Quiddy Pay. And, and what he brings, um, he's got a lot of juice. And I don't think they have a guy like that. They haven't at least had a guy like that in recent years that, that I can see. Uh, Kamoko Ture is the closest thing. It's just that his injury has, has been 
um, obviously a, an obstacle. So it's hard to to kind of rubber stamp that. Uh, as you said, we don't even know where he is physically. We think he's back, but you know, for all we know, the guy could be on pup. Who knows, right? I mean, so so we'll see. But I but I do think they have some pieces, and it will just be a matter of how it all comes together. But. Uh, to circle back to your original point, it does all come down to Carson Wentz. There is no question, and I think that you are going to see a lot of attention on the Colts this preseason, uh, during training camp and this preseason uh, from national media, and it will largely, almost exclusively, be focused on Carson Wentz, and it should be, because he's a huge story. He's an absolute huge story in the NFL this year. Everyone loves a comeback story. Or in some cases, we love to write about failure too, right? So <laughs> either way, he's a story, right? And, yeah, for sure. And I, I just think it's going to be fascinating. Um, I, I will tell you something. I want to share something. If you haven't read the story that I posted today, which is just you know me rambling on about predictions for the season, uh, there are a few stats in there that I think are interesting and, and worth repeating. Uh, one of the things, look, I, I'm not here to tell anybody that like, Philip Rivers is inferior to Carson Wentz. No, I am not saying that. That's ridiculous. The guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But there clearly are some areas where Carson Wentz is superior, or at least has a skill set that that fits better. And I think, one, I think Philip Rivers would agree. To be yeah, honest. yeah, like he knows. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I go back to him saying last year, you know, talking about a couple of throws that Jacob Eason made that he can't make, right? So Philip has always been very honest about what he can and can't do. And so, yeah, he would take no offense to this. One of the things, and I didn't know this, I didn't appreciate this until I ran the numbers, but Carson Wentz has been big time in the red zone during his career. And that I think is huge because that's where things got a little dicey for the Colts last year, in part because of Phillip Rivers. I think their options were limited. You don't have a mobile quarterback. I think that's where you want to move the quarterback around, throw on the run. Uh, you have the pass-run option there with your quarterback. That's always huge. You know, We see teams like the, the Chiefs really take advantage of that, right? Because they have a quarterback who, who can throw on the run and, and do things like that. And so the Colts have that now. So yeah. Carson Wentz in his career, this is pretty interesting. He has in the red zone, he has a passer rating of 99.6. That is significantly higher than his career passer rating overall, which is 89.2. Uh, you know, that's that's just below a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's at 100, and Mahomes as well at 100 in the red zone. So he's in, he's keeping good company there, and I think a lot of that boils down to his mobility. I just think we've talked about this time and time again. I just think his mobility, his athleticism, coupled with Frank Reich and his creativity, I think that is a match made in heaven. And it's just up to to Carson Wentz to not screw it up. So am I crazy? No, I, I can tell you for a fact that Frank and his offensive staff led with Marcus Brady, the new OC, they've had a lot of fun not mm -hmm. reinventing their offense, but kind of reshuffling it, right? Picking yep. out plays that are going to work for him. And your point about his athletic ability in the red zones is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that specifically, but if you think about it, let's think about the best offenses in the league. You got Mahomes and you got Rodgers. Even going back to the playoff game last year, what did Josh Allen do? On the five-yard line, right, when mm -hmm. the play broke down. He, he made something happen with his legs at first. 
Colts didn't have that last year, and they're going to have that with Wentz this year. He, he's, he's. It's, it's stunning how much more athletic than he is than Philip Rivers. No knock on Rivers, <laughs> but the dude was playing with a busted toe the last half of the season. He couldn't move. Uh, you remember the uh, the attempted tackle against the Ravens last year, right? And he, <laughs> right. he fell on his ass, <laughs> and he didn't even hit anybody. And uh, it, it's going to change the game. It's going to change the game. And and so the other night I was flipping through the channels and NFL Network was showing an Eagles-Niners game from last year. And I had gone through and watched most of Wentz's tape in the spring when they signed him. But I just was like, I'm going to watch a couple plays and just see what we got. And the first play, it's a third and one. Eagles have the ball. Their left guard jumps offside. So it's a third and six. Hmm. And you should have seen how far Wentz was behind the line of scrimmage. So he he takes the shotgun snap. He backs up, three-step drop. He's 15, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage within a matter of seconds because there's three pass rushers in his face. Now, I know this is taking it in a vacuum, and it's a very small sample size, but that dude didn't have a chance. Yeah. And I'm not excusing how poor he played last year. He played terrible at times. There was some awful decision-making. And there's some bad throws and just everything was bad. But it's amazing how quickly things can change when a quarterback starts to get confidence. And this is one of the things Ballard talked about on our podcast a month ago. Like the best coaches put their players in the best position to succeed. It sounds so simple. It's what Bill Belichick's been doing forever. Um, But I really think Frank is going to get through to Carson that you just have to let the game come to you. We have so much talent and so many good players around you that this is going to be a scheme that helps you just start to play better, you know, almost de facto, right? Like you're just going to play better because of everyone around you. Um, you're going to have more time to throw. I mean, these are pretty jarring numbers. I mean, I looked this up. West, Wentz was pressured on 42% of his three-step drops last year. 42%. Wow. That's that's one out of every two. Rivers was pressured 23% of the time. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Um, and then you add in the fact that, like you mentioned, the athletic ability, the ability to move around the pocket and still make those throws, which Wentz has been doing since he got in the league. I'm excited. I'm actually more excited to watch this camp for a lot of reasons than I have been in a couple of years. One, we're back in Westfield with fans. That just changes it. It's just better. Yeah. It just feels like football. And two, I'm going to be watching the quarterback to see what he can do that we haven't seen a court's quarterback do in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's exactly right. Um and it's it's also um, I think that anticipation I agree with it first of all and I think it's also because we know we we know this team and we know this team is pretty good they have an opportunity I am not here to predict that they're going to contend for a Super Bowl necessarily no I'm not saying that I mean they're, the AFC is stacked okay let's just be honest yeah however uh, I think this leads me to to what I think is another point I want us to to bat around and it's this you know. Where should the bar for this team be? Because I think look, fans out there, fans are always impatient. They're fan is short for fanatic, right? So you guys are crazy. Own it, okay? You're crazy. <laughs> That's what makes it fun, <laughs> right? Exactly. If it's why you read, it's why you're listening to us right now, right? And so, so you're crazy, okay? And it's what makes you who you are. So you're not exactly patient, <laughs> nor should you necessarily be patient. And that means you care. So, all right, Andrew Luck's retired. We know the story last couple of years, searching for that quarterback. Do they have that quarterback? We'll see. But here's the bottom line. Uh, people don't want to hear, uh, you know, we'll see what happens back into the playoffs, a little wild card. People really, they don't want to hear it, you know, and I get it. And I don't think that's necessarily a failure, but I also understand that 
they have been building something here and the, and the bar should be high. So, so let's talk about that. Where, where should the bar be placed and, and where should it be? I, I tell you my thought first and you can go next. Um, I think division championship. That's, yeah, that's the bar. They got to win the division and they can't go in and be one and done. I think they got to, they got to win the division. They got to win the playoff game. Um, what do you think? If you move away from like they need to win X amount of games and, and yeah. get to this round of the playoffs, I think they need to do this. I think they need to establish themselves as one of the teams in the AFC, as as the upper class of the AFC. Mm-hmm. There's a couple teams that are already in there. We know Kansas City's in there. I'm putting Buffalo in there. I think Baltimore has a say. And, and maybe I think Cleveland's in the same neighborhood as the Colts in Tennessee, right? Yeah. I think the Colts need to graduate to that tier. And by that, I mean – yeah, you're going to have to win a playoff game, which you haven't done in a couple of years. You're going to have to win the division very likely and host a playoff game for the first time since 2014. I mean, think about how long that was. Hmm. That was my first year on the beat, I think. That's insane. And and thirdly, you need if you do that, if you do all of that, that means you're only going to keep climbing because that means everything worked out with Carson Wentz. That means you've got your quarterback thing figured out for the next three or four or five or six years, whatever it ends up being. We don't have to ask Ballard those questions on January 2nd. Well, what are you going to do with quarterback? Is it going to be Jacoby? Is mm. it going to be Rivers? Is it going to retire? That's the biggest headache this team's had hovering over this franchise since August 24th of 2019, <laughs> the night Luck retired. And when you solve that, everything else flows from there. Then you can start to re-sign these guys and know that your quarterback's going to be there. Then you can start to attack the left tackle position long-term. But, you know, that's I think that's what they should think. And I know – if we ask Frank Reich this on Tuesday, he's going to say we need to win the division. Sure. It bothers him that they haven't. They've been really close, and last year was like that fluky tiebreaker. But, you know, don't go down to Jacksonville in week one and lose. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, all they had to do was finish the game in Pittsburgh, too, and they would have won the division. And who knows what would have happened. But that's the reality of it. Um, and and it's, going to be, it's going to be really fun to see if the defense can, can take the next step, if Carson can settle in, if guys like Paris Campbell and Quiddy Pay and – um, all those guys can become factors, but um, but you're right. I think this team needs to be playing in the middle of January. Whatever that looks like, we'll see, but they need to be one of the top teams in the AFC. I think that's the next step. This roster is good enough. It's time to do it when it counts. I wholeheartedly agree, and and I think I think you're right. I, I think that Frank Reich would agree. I, I don't think they – they certainly weren't happy with the way last year ended, right? But, but I do think I, – I think you put it really well when you said – it's less about you know how many games they win and and where they finish and more about are they set up because i think you're right about that because as i said earlier this team they have been building this roster the roster's pretty good and the the single biggest question facing this team has been one single question for the last two years it's quarterback as you know and the bottom line here is if you come out of this season with a viable answer to your quarterback question that can be described as a success. Yeah. <laughs> because know? everything else, everything else, that means everything is, that means a lot of things are going to work because of that. Right. right. That's just going to give you a shot. Right. Right. So, so then all those other questions, they pale in comparison. Okay. So like the, the questions like, ah, you know, do they have a number one receiver? Uh, right. I mean, all that stuff, you know, I wrote about it today is, is Michael Pittman going to step up and claim that, that role, right? Because I think he's the guy that has to do it. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But but if you got the quarterback figured out, all that other stuff is like 
you can you'll deal with that later. You know, they're not unimportant questions, but they pale, like I said, by comparison. So, you know, will they, for example, do they have the pass rush solved? Right. Those are big questions. But all that stuff comes in at best second place to the most important question. So they come out of this knowing that they've got, how old is Carson? Like 28, I think? Yeah, you know? 29 in the season or something. Yeah, so if they come out of this knowing they've got a 29-year-old guy who can be their quarterback for a number of years to come, hell, you got to feel good about that. you know. And, and, if, and if that happens, as you, I think you basically said this, if that happens, if they come out of this season feeling confident about the future with Carson Wentz, that means the season probably went pretty well. Because if he plays well, I think they're going to be good. <laughs> so you see how this works? So I, I really do think, as you said, and as everyone has noted, everything revolves around this guy. You know, it, it's funny because Carson is, he, 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 he certainly gives the impression that like there's been this weight lifted off his shoulders, right? Like he's, he's back with this guy, Frank Reich. Uh, he, he's got a fresh start and all that. However, Let's not get it twisted. He has a significant amount of pressure because they got a lot of shit riding on this. Okay. They got a lot riding on this. So I, I think he'll handle it because it's a different sort of situation. But this, let's not, let's not uh, make any bones about this. There is a significant amount of pressure here uh, for Carson Wentz. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's uh let's look into the crystal ball. How does this go? Like I mean can he can he do this? Will he can he be that guy? Will he be that guy? That's the easy question. question. I, easy I question. I get more than any anything <laughs> is 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 how is he going to be any good again? Um my answer comes down to one guy and it's not even Carson. It's it's Reich. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It's four quarterbacks in four years, and he's made each of them, for particular stretches, play as well as they probably ever played, or, or at least as well as they could have in that situation. Right. Um, you know, Luck talked about how he'd never have as much fun playing football as he did with, with Reich in that 2018 season. Jacoby played pretty well for stretches before he got the knee. After the knee, he didn't play well. That's a fact. Rivers last year, I think, was probably 
going played as well as he could probably have played given the situation, no training camp, no off season, new team injury, middle of the year. Um, Frank's really good at, it's sort of designing the offense to where it takes a lot of the burden off the quarterback. I think his play designs reflect that. And, and I like the receiving core more than probably a lot of people. If Paris Campbell stays healthy, um, I think it'll be tough at first. You look at the first couple games, they're not easy. The first five, I mean, there's some good defenses in there. You've got Seattle, you've got the Rams, you've got Tennessee, you've got Miami, and you've got Baltimore. That's, those are good teams. Those are five, 10-win teams from last year. Um, we'll see how good Carson Wentz is right away. I think we'll see right away. I think he'll start to hit his stride midseason. And if you look ahead, the players aren't allowed to look ahead, but we're allowed to look ahead. If you look at the back half of the schedule, it's the easiest in football hmm. based on last year's record. If this team can make it through the first part of the schedule with a decent record, they don't have to be great. And if they hit their stride midseason, and if a couple guys come back, namely Eric Fisher, and if Dio can come back and give him a little bit of a pass rush spark, maybe that's asking too much, maybe not. Oh, but I think he Fisher, plays. I think he'll play, yeah. Yeah, if he comes back late October, November, they could really hit their stride at that point in the season, which mirrors what they did in 18. I don't know if they're going to have to make a run to make the playoffs. We'll see how that all shakes out. But they could be a hot team playing their best football when it matters most. End of December. Remember, the regular season stretches into January now. Um, They could be in a good shape, in a good position as we get to the playoffs. Again, it's going to come down to Carson and how he plays. I think it'll take some time. It took some time with Rivers. And think about how good and how smart he is. It's going to take some time for Carson to get comfortable. But the added benefit is he can make plays happen that Rivers couldn't. He could extend plays. He can uh, improvise. He can do a lot of things that that will just move the chains or score in the red zone when they need it. And, and that's going to be fun to watch. So I think we're going to get a good sense. How long do you think in training camp it's going to take for us to really get a good sense of where Carson's at? Like probably a week and a half, two weeks in, we're going to be like, okay, this is going to work or this is still up in the air. Yeah, I've thought about that. Like, you know, what's it going to look like? I I think it it may be a little up and down, you know, because I I do think OTAs or the lack of OTAs, I I do think are are a little bit detrimental here. I I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think it's a factor. Uh, there's there's probably a reason they're scheduled to be in Westfield for like four weeks. What the heck is that, by the way? <laughs> um, I might have to have new tires by the time this thing's over. But um, yeah, they, they've they've certainly extended training camp, and I, I don't think it matters. I think they'd be practicing no matter where they were. But but I but I do think it's a recognition almost. It's almost like a a mental thing. You know, it's like we got to hunker down. We got to get ready, and and part of that is because they had like nine days of work all and off they, season. They've been know? off for eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, not you tell a football coach he's got eight or nine days, you know, over a six month off season. <laughs> he'd probably punch you in the face, you know, if you had if you had told him that a couple of years ago. I mean, that's that's like you know taking their firstborn kid, you know. So it's it's not a lot. They didn't get they didn't get much done. So they do have a lot to to figure out, you know. And while certainly they have been talking and 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 theorizing, and Carson has been a part of those conversations, I'm sure. You know, what do you like? What don't you like? Watching a bunch of film, all of that, right? All those things have been happening. 
But, you know, until you actually get out there and you run it and with the, the current teammates you have, right, you don't really know what it's going to look like and feel like. So I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a process, and that's okay. Uh, they're still in a better situation than, than Rivers was in last year because there was no preseason. Uh, it, was, it was really just, you know, hurry up and get to camp and just, you know, pray that we make it to the season. We're in a little better place now. There is a preseason as well. There's some joint practices. So I think we're going to get a better he'll, – he'll have a better opportunity to be prepared, and the Colts will have a better look at him. So there's a little apples and oranges to compare last year's situation, which is a good thing because that was tough. That really was tough. And I think it reflected – it was reflected in you know, sort of the, the slow start they had on offense. So – uh, we'll have to see that, but now let's let's not get it twisted. That uh, that opening slate is a murderer's row. <laughs> okay, so there there won't be a whole lot of opportunity for fine tuning over the first five or six games because uh, life will come at them very quickly uh, to open the season. Um, now we we have to touch on something that's not that fun. Okay, and if you live in the world right now. We're all dealing with it, right? And we all live in the world, so we all know that COVID is a factor. Um, look, I mean, we're all living our lives. I've, you know, took some trips this summer, had a good time. Um, I just went to New York City, by the way. By the way, New York City was amazing. It was like, what COVID? What COVID? I mean, everything was open, and it was it was amazing, and it was just amazing to see New York in that state. Um, given Heck, even the scene in Milwaukee this week, yeah, yeah, outside the arena before and after the game. I mean, just. Wow, it's just it's just jarring to see that. Yeah. After the last 18, 20 months we've lived through. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was it was tough. It was tough on all of us, and you know, I think we're all just in a better place mentally and just you know everything. But anyhow, that being said, you know, we got we can't pretend this thing's over. We got variants going on, and the NFL is a take. The NFL is taking that approach. Here, so hot off the presses as we were as we're recording this, uh, there's a report out here. Uh, the NFL sent a memo to teams today saying that if a game cannot be rescheduled, uh, if you know for for COVID because of COVID infections among unvaccinated players, that team, or excuse me, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and will be credited with a loss uh, for playoff seating. So that is that, like, that's a massive, massive change in, in approach from last year. Because last year, the league took the approach: you don't have any control over this, right? You know, it's it's going to happen. It is what it is. We're doing our best. Well, they're not taking that approach because vaccines are available now, and they can't make that vaccine mandatory for players. But they can sure as hell make it really hard for you to conduct the football season if you're unvaccinated. So I say all that because I know everyone knows where I'm going with this. The Colts consistently have been reported to be one of the teams uh, with one of the lowest vaccination rates in the league. We, we haven't gotten a lot of intel on this, right, Zach? Because as you can imagine, as you can imagine, like, you know, why would Chris Ballard want to talk about this? He's going to have to talk about it on Monday, by the way. But um, so, so I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I know specifics about where they are. There was a report this week that they are still under 50% fully vaccinated. Whether that means a bunch of guys are waiting for their second dose, I, I don't know. That could be. Because I, I do think we did get that Im- impression from Ballard a few weeks ago that that there were a, a bunch of guys rushing out to get their vaccines 
um, in recent weeks. And maybe they're not there yet. I don't know. But that being said, um, I mean, don't we have to assume this will be some measure of an issue for the Colts if, if unless they get significant uh, or see a significant increase in their numbers? I mean, I don't care where you stand on the on the, on the virus, the vaccine. I don't give a, I don't give a shit. It doesn't even matter, right? I don't care. That's not the point. If you care about the Colts, you better be paying attention. If I you mean, care about this team having its best chance to do something in January, then you have to care about this. And and basically what I can say is they're not denying the fact. They've not just denying the reports that they're one of the lowest vaccinated teams in the right. league. And and we'll see, but this is even further. You said that you know, teams could be penalized. You know, they go down in the playoff seedings. They could get, you know, forfeit a game. Pelissero has this report. If a game is canceled due to a COVID outbreak that cannot be rescheduled, get this. Neither team's players will be paid for that week. Neither huh. teams. Huh. That's when it gets real is when your paycheck gets involved. So, to me, this is what the NFL is saying. Get vaccinated. Otherwise, you could cost your team in a big way. The NFL is saying we want to get – this 17-game schedule in 18 weeks. And, and mm-hmm. there's no excuses for the players. They're just saying, basically, you're going to have to get vaccinated. And and we can go through the details of all the different ways an unvaccinated player is going to have to go through these hoops to get on the field compared with a vaccinated player, right? right. The testing, the protocols on the road, it's extensive. So the NFL is making it very loud and clear that if you're not going to get vaccinated and if you cost your team a game, or the league, a game, in this sense, um, it's going to come out of your pocket, too. And that's serious. And that's probably another word, you know, another way for the NFL to get these guys' attention. Um, we'll see. We're going to have a lot of conversations on Monday and Tuesday with, with Coach Chris Ballard and the players. You know, where are you guys at? Whether they want to talk about it or not is obviously their choice. Um, but in my opinion, right now, sitting here July 22nd, it's a very real factor in how this season goes because – you can't afford – I mean, I, I, the only ammunition I need is bring up the Tennessee game last year. Yeah. Danico Autry's out and Buckner's out, and you got beat by 20 points at home to a team that you had beaten by 20 points on the road a couple of weeks earlier. So, to me, this is this is a big deal. And if the Colts are one of the lowest vaccinated teams in the league, and I have heard that they are on the uptick. They are climbing. They right. are getting guys vaccinated as we speak. We'll see where they're at. But um, – this absolutely needs to be discussed, and we're going to have to ask the questions next week. So there's a couple of little details here that matter. Uh, as you said, I, I, I do I have heard the same thing, right? That they have gotten some some additional guys vaccinated in recent weeks. The standard for the NFL is fully vaccinated. So if you're going to take the, the two dose vaccine, and I and I think you know there have been some questions maybe about you know the one dose vaccine, the others have seemed to be more reliable. Uh, so anyway, if you're going to take a two-dose vaccine, you have to have both doses. And I believe the rule is you have to be 14 days uh, past the second dose to be considered fully vaccinated. So right. it's so a very high take threshold. Some time. Yes. Right. But if they do it now, uh, they still have time before opening day. They're still in a good, a good place where uh, just about, they have just about enough time right now uh, to get there by opening day, if uh, if they proceed now, so I think that's why you're that's the timing here. I think that's why you're seeing that because they know that this is around the time for the cutoff. You know, we've got about what six weeks or so uh, to the season, so 
you know, that gives you, you know, the the month or so between doses and then a couple weeks, you know, to get your 14-day clock running. So the, the big difference is I still believe it's daily testing for unvaccinated players. Uh, look, there's enough COVID out there that the odds are, are decent that you're going to have some positives, okay? It's, it's, yeah. just, it's just a fact. I mean, I looked this up yesterday. Um, I, I think Marion County, where Indianapolis is, is around 50% fully vaccinated i mean like so eh, half the people out there have no protection so you and know. you made another good point in your story that you said like look like last year these guys were staying home yeah they were being very very cautious and the Colts were pretty good at that they didn't have a you know a positive test until like what four or five weeks into the season right it's a different world right now and we're enjoying that right we're all getting out we're eating out we're going out it's it's not the same as last year when guys were staying home yeah, and, and people aren't wearing masks, which I'm fine with, but I'm just saying, you know, those who aren't vaccinated, they're probably not wearing masks because I don't see a lot of masks. So yeah, yeah. so you don't have any real protection now is all I'm saying. And so so the bottom line is uh, this is going to be a factor. Pay attention. And, you know, you, you may not want to talk about it. It's not fun. I don't want to talk about it, but it's it's going to be a factor. So hopefully this gets resolved. Uh, what, let's Let's talk about... A couple of players who I think, um, oh, I'll ask you what you think. Are there a couple of players, at least one or so, that are on the verge? Like, who's on the verge? And Because I think that's that's a lot of times where you see the, the big gains that you make in the course of a season. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, like last season, Julian Blackman was a revelation. Like, what if that doesn't happen, right? Now... You know, you're scrambling to try to fill a hole. Malik Hooker gets hurt, and it's like, oh my god, you know, who's gonna play safety? Julian Blackman comes in. And he's like, ah, I got this, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you get, you have situations like that, you know, where you get some surprise surprises. Guys step in and and just, you know, Kari Willis did it a couple years ago, right? It was like, whoa, where'd that guy come from? So, uh, I'm wondering who that player is this year. Like, it doesn't have to even be a rookie. Uh, I'm just wondering. You know, are there some guys like that? You know, because I think, again, we have all these known commodities, but then when you get some other guys who rise to the occasion, now that that lifts everybody even more. And I think you have to have that, you know, if you're going to really make a run. You got to get some contributions from players that really you didn't have high expectations from. So I don't know. I, I have a thought, If unless you have one first. Um, I have a thought. Who are you going with? Well, I, I think it's Kyler Granson. And I, I wrote that oh, in my yeah, story today. Okay. I mean, I, I believe you wrote about him, and and I've certainly talked to people about him. I'll just tell you, I had <laughs> I had a member of the coaching staff tell me, um, I'd say about a, a few weeks after the draft, absolute, absolutely giddy after the first couple of days of those practices they had. They were thrilled with this guy. Okay, thrilled. Now, I don't know what all that means because I'm like, yeah, it's patty cake and shorts. So, like, what are you really saying? That being said, I mean, they can tell what kind of athlete this guy is. You know, they can tell, you know, what his football acumen is, you know, his his football intelligence and and his hands. They they felt were really reliable, which is something that was kind of a question, I guess, for some people uh, going into the draft. So. It's all projections, but um, they really are excited about this guy. And and I think he's a guy who, 
you know, they were kind of excited about, you know, Trey Burton last year. And if you remember in training camp, right? Remember all those balls he caught? And we're like, huh. But then he kind of got in the season. Yeah, and it's like, he got hurt. Yeah, he yeah. got hurt in camp. Yeah, it, it, it really, he didn't really set the world on fire. And I think they, I think they missed that, you know, for all of the drama surrounding Eric Ebron. Like, he was a difference maker, right? Yeah. You know? And and I think <laughs> you had to deal with a lot, but <laughs> but certainly he made his place. Okay, let's give him his credit. And I think that is a huge tool in Frank Reich's toolbox to have a guy like that. They think this guy can be he can play the the Ebron role and and do it more effectively than Trey Burton. They really believe that. So I'm interested. He's one of the guys I'll be watching for sure because I I think that he has a chance to be a real big matchup problem. He's what he's like 6-4. Now he's going to get him matched up on safeties. He can run because he's a former wide receiver. So you're talking about an athletic big guy who can run matched up against strong safeties. I'm signing up for that. So uh, or linebackers for that matter. So so it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. I like that answer because the door is open. Like they mm-hmm. need a wide tight end to step up. They've yeah. got they've got Jack Doyle, they got Moelle Cox. Talk about known commodities. You know what those guys are gonna do. Right. Moelle Cox has never really taken that next step in the passing game that a lot of us thought he would. And part of that is probably the coaching staff would blame on themselves. Part of that is injury, but the door's wide open for a speedy, athletic, mismatched tight end like Kylan Granson, who moves really well, look at his college tape, to step into that role. And if he's if he's for real at a very early stage, he's going to play a lot this year. They're going to use him. Frank's just going to throw him out there, and they're going to use him. Um, to answer your question, you know, I, I think about, like, guys I'm most excited to watch. I, I love watching Jonathan Taylor just play yeah. football. But he's, he's a big name, so I'll go somewhere else. Um, I'm going to go to the D-line, and I think – one question we need answered is, does Tyquan Lewis take another step? Like, does he become for real this year? Mm-hmm. He had to take a step up last year just to keep his job. He kept his job. Does he go further? The other guy I'm really excited about is Toure. Toure can play. We've all seen that. If you go back to the early part of 2019, he was he was a legit pass rusher. He was a legit edge rusher. Um, and he played great in that Kansas City game that he eventually got hurt in. It's been a year and a half, almost two years since then. But that spot's open, and I think he could. Te- I think he could take it that next step and really make that spot his. Um, if you assume Pay is on the right, who's on the left? Is it Taekwon? I think is initially, yeah, initially, yeah, probably. I think right now it's Taekwon. Taekwon. But I, think, I like Ty- I like Toure's ceiling better. For yeah, sure. I, I think you're right. I think Taekwon is a little more of a. He's a little more of a, a versatile player, but. But I think Kamoko Ture is more of a pass rush specialist, or at least potentially, yeah. you know? Which is exactly where the hole is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They need a guy to go chase the quarterback. Yeah. You need a hired gun. Yeah. You need Dwight Freeney in 2016 with Atlanta. He didn't do anything besides rush the passer. He didn't stop the run. Right. Didn't matter. That's all you need. You need that. And so um, I like those two. I like the, the Blackman example because he just kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't even see him in camp last year. Right. Um, you kind of think Zaire Franklin is the third linebacker right now, but I may be hesitant to say that because mm-hmm. they don't even play base defense. You're you're comfortable with Okariki and Leonard in there, but um, for me, it's going to be fun. And you know, the position nobody really wants to talk about until Eric Fisher comes back is left tackle. Right? Who the hell is going to be the left tackle to start? And I'm not necessarily excited to see Will Holden <laughs> and Julian Davenport 
and Sam Tevy fight for that spot, that one of them needs to fill that spot. And one of them needs to protect Carson Wentz's blind side. And that's really important for a quarterback that's coming into a new team with a new system. Um, he needs to feel comfortable back there. They need to find some way to keep him comfortable on that backside. So we'll see. But um, it's going to be fun. I was kind of picking out the guys I'm most excited to watch. This might be a little bit of a surprise, but it's not just the starting quarterback. It's the backup quarterback. Yeah, like I'm, I'm here for it. Dude, I got some reports on Jacob Eason this summer, like, He's turned ten percent of his or ten percent of his weight into into muscle. He's hmm. throwing the ball better than ever. He worked with Adam Didot for four months. That's a long time. That's a long offseason. That guy's a good quarterback months. coach. Yeah, yeah. And his his work speaks for itself with who he's worked with, including Carson Wentz. Um, but I just want to see Easton play against a real NFL defense. I think everybody out there knows how well he can throw it. But how's he going to play against the Panthers in those practices and in the preseason game? How's he going to play against the Colts? starters in practice like Mm -hmm. we haven't seen that at all so um it's gonna be a fun camp there's a lot of guys i'm excited to watch out there next week yeah and and i'll throw one guy in in terms into the list of of guys who uh you know can i think take another step and he's already a known commodity but i i think he can even take it up higher it's it's okiriki bobby okiriki at middle linebacker well where he's going to be a full-time player now he largely was last year anyway but uh, but Anthony Walker having departed now, it's his job. He's the middle linebacker, and I just think that he has that playmaking ability that that you see from Darius Leonard. I think he has that same gene. I'm not saying he's as good a player. I'm just saying the yeah. in- instinctiveness that you see from Leonard. Okiriki has that. He gets his hands on more footballs than just about anybody on that defense. He doesn't always convert it into a, a turnover, but... He gets his hands on the football, or he's around the football a lot too. So uh, I, I just think he has—he's got some potential for game-changing plays, and and I think if you talk about this defense taking another step, he has to be one of the guys that I think lifts that unit um, and and just can't be a constant. He has to elevate his game, and I think he can. I think he's—I think that was a really really good draft pick. Um, which is why their defense is where it is. You know, they, they've drafted pretty well, with the exception of their their edge rush picks that that have had some challenges. But they've drafted really well on defense. And uh, you talk about guys who made. Are. You talk about Blackman making Malik Hooker's exit. You know, a non-story. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean Anthony Walker. Like that was pretty much decided. You know, and Okariki kind of took his job and. Um, it's pretty clear that it's an upgrade, and we both love Anthony Walker. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. He he does have that. He has that playmaking ability. I don't think anybody has it quite as much as Darius, besides maybe Kenny Moore on defense. But right, but it's fun to watch Okariki because he's fast and he can move and he gets to the ball quickly. Yeah, and he's good in coverage too. So I mean, he he's the full package. I think he can be he he can be definitely a real you know potential Pro Bowl type player down the line if he keeps growing. So we'll see if that happens. So lots of maybe, possibly, could be, <laughs> but that's what the NFL offseason is, folks. I don't it's have anything July. else. There right. you go. What do you want, right? Uh, you want football? We're giving you football, right? So that's what we got. Uh, but, man, we're going to be busy, and I'm here for it. We've got we've got training camp. We've got joint practices. we got Hall of Fame we got preseason games. I mean, all of this is going to hit us here in in the face uh, in a matter of weeks. So just be ready. And I think we're going to learn a lot from this training camp. I, I just think having been so far away, you know, from really covering this team up close, 
for for a long time. I, I think there's just so much opportunity to learn more that we missed last year, you know, and yeah, and and the team's different too. So there's always going to be new things. So that that reinvigorates me a little bit, you know. I, I think no one wants to cover a team that's not interesting, and they're certainly interesting. There's no question about that. So I'm it'll excited. be nice to uh, stand on the sideline during practice in yes. camp this year, as opposed to about forty or fifty yards back. And it's not the Colts' fault. It's just. It's just what it was, but it'll it'll feel like training camp, and and, yeah. and I know this sounds crazy, but I missed it. So let's yeah. let's get after it. Well, yeah, hope to see you. Some, hope to see, excuse me, some of you guys out there in Westfield because you're invited. So, um, and I don't believe there will be any restrictions on attendance. So uh, that will be nice. It'll be nice to hear hear that roar of the crowd. Uh, you know, when Ty Hilton makes a big catch down the field or what have you. So you know that that has been. Uh, we've we've missed that as well, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm looking forward to it, and uh, it'll be here soon. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back, I guess, more regularly. Now, regularly, excuse me. Now, uh, what are we on a? We're probably going to be on a weekly schedule here, I think, um, for the next few weeks. So uh, and yeah. and twice weekly when the season gets started. So so you'll hear from us a lot, and we appreciate each of you. If you're not a subscriber. You know where to find us, theathletic.com. Lots of subscription specials for you. And now's the time because uh, you're going to get a ton of football coverage from all 32 teams. And I don't want you to miss that. So thank you for those of you who already are signed up. And I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And this is 1% Better. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.